0: Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Sage continues his message from Ephesians chapter two, verses one through ten, entitled "Death to Life." Here's Pastor Sage. Next, we see our lifting up continue in verse six. I, and I understand if you read verse five at the end of it, he says something in there. He says you were saved by grace. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. So going on to verse six, says he, Jesus raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. This is another part of our lifting up. He raises us up with Christ. This is referring to our inheritance in eternal life. So again, picture yourself dead, buried under the ground, nothing you can do. God steps in, he makes you alive, he gives you Jesus, and he doesn't stop there. Now he's raising you up. He, He raises you up with Jesus. This is eternal life in the end. This is when we get to go be with our Lord. What I read about this morning uh, in the book of Revelation, we get to be up there and, and our Shepherd is he's shepherding us in heaven. That's such a good, such a, a good, uplifting thing. And, and Jesus, he doesn't just leave us there, he raises us up, he raises us, raises us up with him. Not only are we alive on earth, but we get to be alive eternally with Jesus in heaven. And then in verse 7, we see the reason for our lifting up. So, so God lifts us up all the way to the point of heaven. Now why? What's the purpose of this? Well, in verse 7, he says, So so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So the reason for our lifting up, essentially this is saying, he's making us alive, he's lifting us up with Christ or in doing so, God is forever displaying his grace to us. Not only is that, but God is displaying his love to us, his kindness to us forever. That's fully on display. There's no way you can miss it. It's right there in front of you. Just look at God's word. Look at your life. God is displaying his love and kindness to us all the way until death and past death all the way up until eternal life. Why do we disgrace and ignore such a loving, merciful, kind God? This doesn't make sense. But yet we're doing it all the time. I get so caught up in my day and my work and my job, which funny enough is ministry, and I still let that distract me from Jesus, if that makes sense. It still happens. It happens to ministers all the time. I get distracted from, from like Tim preached on uh, recently, how we get so focused on the work, we forget about the reason for the work, like why we're doing this. Why we, why we strive to do our best. Even if it's not a ministry as, as it is for me, but maybe for you, it's in a, just another job. Whatever that may be, you do your best at it because it's for God's glory. And sometimes we just forget that. And we ignore, we disgrace our God. We live in, we, we go back to our sin. This doesn't make sense. Sometimes just as uh, the Israelites wished they were enslaved in Egypt, we wish to have remained dead out of our love for our sin. Never think about that. I've had those thoughts as a younger Christian especially where I think out of sin, out of separation from God in this moment, not considering him, oh man, just sometimes I just just wish I was dead again. Spiritually dead, that is. I, I miss my sin that much. I'm ignoring my God. Just in the same way, just as Israel coming out of Egypt, God literally parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land all the way across they get over to the other side and they're walking and they're thinking, man, I really miss, really miss Egypt. When we were enslaved, they had good food. That's what they missed. They didn't consider the fact that they were free from their sin or they were free from, that's, that's from that slavery. They just missed the food. They missed the, what, what fed the flesh. Man, we get so lost in that. We get so wrapped up in it. I encourage you, if you're thinking about your sin more than you're thinking about the one who takes takes it away, you're gonna get wrapped back up in it. Don't miss your sin. Those are marks of a dead man. You're not dead anymore. You've been made alive. Live in Christ. Pursue him in life. And Pursuing him consists of reading his word. This lifts me up. Every time I read God's word, no matter how much I ignore him, no matter how much I sin against him, no matter how much my heart feels hardened towards him, I turn to his word and it softens my heart and it nourishes my soul. God's word is good and it has the words of life in it. Why aren't we more dependent on it? Why do we love our sin more? It's because our bodies are still sinful. We still have fleshly bodies, that's what that is. But we need to remind ourselves of who God is. Now, next we go into Paul's clarification regarding salvation. So this is what I skipped over earlier in verse five. Uh, the latter half of verse five, Paul says, "You are saved by grace." He just blur. Uh, it's almost like he's going through, and it just comes up, like he's writing, and then he's just, "You're saved by grace." He's just so excited about their salvation. You're saved by grace, and he wants to clarify, saying, "By grace that this is not from you. You didn't do this. God's grace saved you." But then he wants to clarify a little more, and so if you look later in verse eight, Paul says for you were saved by grace through faith. So a little different there. He's, he adds those two words through faith. Paul wants to emphasize how we are saved while also clarifying something else. He's, emphasized, he's emphasizing that we're saved by God's grace and he is clarifying that it is through our faith in Jesus Christ that God saves us. He continues, he goes on, he says, this is a gift from God. He says at the end of verse eight, it is God's gift so, uh, when, uh, you know, Des and I have been together for like, you know, not, not married, but just in each other's lives, really, for like six or seven years. And Des, her, the, the way, something she's really blessed at, she's really good at, is gift giving. I think maybe a lot of husbands know that their wives are better at gift giving. I know that, that's the case for me. I'm terrible at gifts. Des is really good at it to the point where it doesn't have to be a holiday or anything. It doesn't have to be something major. And she just thinks of me and she just gets me something. Oh, that, and it, it's so, I love it. It makes me so happy, obviously. She gives me a gift. And usually it's like it's like something, it's like not always something from the store. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I got your lunch. Or hey, I, I know you like this candy. Or I know you like donuts. It's usually food. I like food a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> along with uh, Paul saying this is a gift from God, you know, those gifts that Des gives me every now and then, that's not because of anything I've done. It's not like, I, I'm no, I know for sure it's not this. Sage has been so awesome. Sage has just been the best husband ever. I'm gonna get him a gift. That's not what it is. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> Instead, it's just, she just, out of her grace, out of her love for me, she just gets me a gift. In the same way with God, in saving us, this is not something we did. Like, I, I did so, so much good. I did so much righteous things in my life that God's like, you know what? I'm gonna save you because you deserve it. <laughs> that's not what it is. Remember, I was dead in my sins. I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I did nothing good at all in my life. And then God saved me. Why did you do it? This is a gift from God. It's a gift that we did not bring about. He continues in verse nine. He says this. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So that's just what I was saying there. Our salvation is not something I bring about. It's not something you brought about. If and I know there are Christians who are deceived who have deceived themselves in that, we need to recognize this. There's nothing good in us save Jesus. I did nothing to save myself. God saved me. We can't boast in ourselves. If no man can bring salvation about, then no man can boast in himself. And then no Paul clarifies there we're saved by grace through faith. Cuz remember even and and I'll say this to someone that wants to give their life to the Lord. I'll say, you need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to put your faith in Jesus. Someone will say, well, is, well, is that a, a work? Is that a work? That doesn't make much sense. And this leads a lot of people. In fact, for centuries, it's led a lot of people to butt heads and argue because they don't understand this, this tension between God's will and man's free will. You know, well, where's, the, where's the reconciliation there? Well, Charles Spurgeon, who's an old, dead, no, he's a dead guy, from a while ago. Charles Spurgeon said, (laughs) someone someone came to to Spurgeon and they said, "Uh, Charles, how do you reconcile God's sovereignty and man's free will? And you know what Spurgeon said? He said, why would I reconcile two friends? And that's the truth of this. It's not that we lean on either side. It's not like we say fully this side or fully this side. Instead, these two things are working together. They're friends in it. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand, and guess what, that's okay. We're not supposed to understand everything. We, we've, you know, going through Ephesians, Paul talks a lot about the subject. We even just talked about it more in our young adult Bible study this past uh, Monday. It was great. It's a good conversation. And really, when I really think about it sometimes, it just gives me a headache. You know why? Because my tiny mind is finite, and God is infinite. Why would he make everything understandable for me? I'm not supposed to get everything. But he still explains it pretty well to us. In, some, in these cases. So though it is only by God's grace that we are saved, we must put our faith in him to be saved. That's what Paul is saying here. That's, what's, that's, that's how salvation comes about. God saves you, you put your faith in him. Hey, they work together. Now going to verse 10, which is the last verse. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is a really, really good verse. We are his workmanship. This means two things. We are not randomly thrown together, but we are, as we talked about in VBS, as we sung about, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are his workmanship. You know, when I look at something great that someone built, I don't, I don't look at it and I don't assume it just randomly came like that. You know, you can tell. You can tell. That has been fine-tuned to be as it is. Well, God has created us. He's fine-tuned us. God created us fearfully and wonderfully. And then the second thing that means is God's handiwork is in every stitch of our lives. God's handiwork is all over. You can see it. We can see just in the complexity of creation as you go about. If you ever study the human mind, it doesn't make sense. Some of the things that the human mind can do and how powerful it is, that is God's creation. That is his handiwork Des and I just got back recently from a trip to North Carolina. I love North Carolina because I love the mountains. You know, you want to see, you want to see God's glory on display in creation. You just go look at some, go look at the mountains. They're beautiful, and it just, it makes you, it puts things into perspective. Because I look at them and I, and I'm looking up, and I just think, man, I'm so small, <laughs> and God is so big. He made these, these mountains, and this mountain in North Carolina isn't nearly as big as the biggest one that we have on this planet. It's a, incredible. And then you think bigger than that, the planets, just how big planets are, how big the sun is. We are so small, and God is just so big. He created, he, you know, he, he did more and more and more. He did It seems like to me, I think, you did more than you needed to. You, know, you, you could have just made like earth and then just blocked it off, and we didn't have to see nothing else. And I'd still be like, this is amazing. But, but the, the universe is enormous, and there's planets and stars and all these just amazing things. They're, they have to build teles- telescopes that cost millions of dollars just to look at these things. God is amazing. His handiwork is incredible. We see it all over creation. You know, he says something in there in verse 10 that seems kind of contradictory to what we were just talking about. But it's not. It actually goes right along with it. We we're talking about we're not saved by good works. There's no good, not enough good works I can do to save myself. But then he says, and here in verse 10, he says this. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're not saved by good works, but we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. While works are by no means the cause of our salvation, they should be the outcome of it. They should be the outcome of our salvation. See, in committing good works and, and doing righteous acts, we are displaying God's grace, mercy, love, and kindness to the world around us. I made these funny little stickers for the youth and the college students um, for us to hand out to people. And they're, just, they're, they're really just funny. It, there's a, a bear and there's trees with fruit on them and the bear's holding fruit. It says bear fruit, that's what it says. So, because the Bible tells us that every tree will bear fruit. And if it's, you know, if it's not bearing fruit, that tree is dead. So if you've been made alive, then truthfully, if you read the book of James, you definitely see this, good works will come about. Good works means you're telling people about the gospel. It means you're doing things in your personal life when no one's watching just because you love Jesus. You're, you're reading your Bible. You're praying to the Lord constantly. You're trying to make sure everyone knows who Jesus is. These works are brought about from Jesus in us. Some people say, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm saved. I've been to church my whole life. That doesn't necessarily mean that. And truthfully, you know, I don't know any, any man or woman's heart I don't, I can never, you can never go to any pastor and say, is this person saved? And they say, yes or no, they shouldn't at least because we don't know their hearts. However, you know, we look at, we look at the, the, the fruit of their life. We look at what's coming out of it. If you're seeing those good works, that's because Jesus is doing it in them. That means they're saved. If you're not seeing those good works, it, it, it tells you something. If they're not pursuing Jesus, that's telling you something. Good works come about from us, from Jesus being in us. It's amazing because we were dead before, remember that? (laughs) We were dead. Think back to when you didn't know the Lord. I think about that often. I was dead, I was buried, six feet under. Jesus raised me up, he made me alive and he kept lifting me up and now I get to be with him in eternity. Even before that, he, he graced me with a family. He graced me with my wife, he graced me with this church, with my friends, with my family. He graced me with this job, with my students the lord his blood, like david talks about my, my cup overflows that happens in believers lives i'm not saying that you're going to get rich real soon cuz <laughs> that's not that's not, that's just not the case the prosperity gospel that's not the case look at it look at uh, look at the pastors we're not rich but we're rich in blessings from god god blesses us with with spiritual blessings but also sometimes with physical blessings. God is, and I can say that because I've seen him do it in my life. That comes from that salvation. God's working in us. So all this leads to our application. First off, are you still dead in your sins? Are you still dead in your sins? I know there's people, there's people that, that go to church their whole lives and they don't realize that they were dead in their sins the whole time. They thought that if they just did enough for the church, that that was, that was what would save them. But in reality, they never put their faith in Jesus. So we're gonna go into a, a time of invitation as usual. If you're still dead in your sins and you realize that, I encourage you, come to the front. Talk to me, talk to Tim. Come to the, to the altar, because really I can't make you say a, a, a specific set of words that will save you. And instead, you just, need to, you just need to talk to the Lord. You need to, you know, just as they teach in VBS, a, admit to God that you're a sinner and repent. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, heaven sent. And then C, confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what leads, that's, that is That is what we need to do when you're, when you're coming to know the Lord. If you don't know him right now, so if you're still dead in your sins, keep that in mind. Second point of application, if you have been made alive, are you still walking around as if you were still dead? Are you still, are you going back to your old self? You know, remember when you're, Baptized, that picture, that that symbol, we're we're crucified with Christ, we die, we're dead. Our old selves, dead. And then we're made alive, a new creation. That's one of my favorite parts. (laughs) We're we're a new creation in Jesus. So sometimes as new creations, we like to look back, just as the Israelites do, at the food, at at the things we enjoyed, the physical pleasures of our old life. And we're like, man, I miss that. Are you still walking in that? Are you still living in that? Is your mind still living in that? If that's the case, maybe you need to come to the altar or talk to one of us and, and discuss that. Discuss that with God and confess that to God. God, I've been, I've been putting myself first. I've been living like I used to. That's not who I am. God, help me to repent from that. Give me the strength to repent from that. And the last thing, are you fulfilling your purpose on earth? If you are a believer, you will be doing good works. We must be constantly seeking to advance in our good works for Christ. It doesn't, it's not like you hit a point it's like you hit a point and you're like, all right, I've done enough good. I promise you it ain't that. It's a constant, lifelong thing. We're, we're always seeking to do more for Jesus, to glorify him, because overall that's our purpose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, I just love you so much. I'm so thankful for your word again. Thank you that your words bring, <laughs> your words bring life to us. You have made us alive. God, I know there's people in this church that still have not been made alive, and Lord, I pray that you would save their souls. By grace through faith, Lord, I pray that you would save them and bring them to know you. And Jesus, for those of us who do know you, I pray that you'd sanctify us and grow us, sharpen our thoughts the way that we think, make us look more like you every single day, Jesus. I pray that as we go into this time of invitation that you would, you would be with everyone in the congregation. If, if someone needs to come up, Lord, I pray that you would, Lead them to not sit in their fear of people looking at them, but instead, Lord, lead them to the altar. Lead them to talk. Just lead us in response to your word. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. This year at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim, would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at Britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.